Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or on the app or on the internet, wherever you are, potentially in the world. And you are listening to The Breakfast Show. You're joined by myself, Lawson, and across from me, my wonderful brand new co-host, none other than Laura. Laura, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. Good morning, guys. Now, Laura, we're super stoked to have you on the show. Of course, you are not Australian. No, I'm not. Which which qualifies you to be in, <laughs> in, in media in Australia. There's just an, an, an aura of... Uh, would it be like foreignness, you know, that's that's relatively intriguing yeah, for yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. Maybe our listeners are like, oh, another foreigner, you know, we get, <laughs> we get lots of foreigners on the show. Uh, Laura, where are you from? I'm from the United States. Oh, yeah. fantastic. And, of course, we have met you before. You've been on the show a number yeah, of yeah. times now. You're, you're kind of Faith FM guest interview <laughs> uh, veteran or after after two interviews, so living your best life. And I just got to ask you in this first segment, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, goodness. What am I grateful for? So many things. Um, but I definitely would just say that I'm grateful for the sunlight. Um, I was Absolutely. traveling last week and mm-hmm. there was a lot of rain and I just look out the window and I see the bright sun and it just makes my day. Yeah, we've had fantastic weather here in Newcastle. Something that I'm grateful but also not grateful. I just, just it, it's getting colder. It's getting colder. And yeah. last night I, um, I, well, we are traveling immediately when when the show's finished we're yeah. we're going to go and head up north up to the Kingscliff area there's a group of us going up i dusted off my big furry catman do jacket <laughs> like yesterday last night cuz cuz basically it lives in my cupboard for the summer season right and then i get out of my cupboard you know wash it for the you know that one time per winter and yeah. then and then wear it for the winter i i pulled it out last night cuz i had to go and you know sort out a bunch of stuff for, for traveling today. So I was like, oh man, okay, now it's it's really settling in. It's really it's cold. getting cold. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we are going to have our first clue for the quiz brought to us by Laura. Laura, please. Okay, the first clue is... Ecclesiastes says that a feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry. But this is the answer for everything. Oh. Yeah, so I'm going to read that one more time. Ecclesiastes says a feast is made for laughter and and wine makes life merry. But this is the answer for everything. Amazing. Hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight, I believe. It's volume eight that we're giving out of the Revive Cafe Cookbook. And again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Our clues, they start off more difficult, but then we'll get easier and easier throughout the show. And But if you get it wrong, then you will be excluded so make sure you get some answers in, especially today as we're having the draw at the end of the show today, around 8.45. And this cookbook looks pretty cool, guys. I've actually been to the cafe, the Revive Cafe. Oh, amazing. Yeah. How, when, did you, when did you go there? Last week, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so Okay. So recent, this is, this is a, a recent thing for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was in New Zealand last week, and um, I just had to do some traveling and the there's this little cafe in Auckland called the Revive Cafe yeah. and it's completely vegan and it's really healthy. So someone had recommended it to me um, and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. It was 
it was really good. Like, I liked it. It was cool. And so this Epic. is a personal recommendation for this cookbook. You're going to want to try for this because... Absolutely. Yeah. 0491064669. Do you want to read that clue out again for I'm us? i read it one more time. Ecclesiastes says, a feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry. But this is the answer for everything. Hey, I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple of towns that we know you are listening from because we have Faith FM satellites and stations there. I don't know if I'm allowed to use the word satellite because we don't have satellites, but I just like calling them satellites. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, our our, uh, our stations are there. <laughs> hey, we want to shout out firstly Caloundra in Queensland listening on 88.0. And I want to shout out as well, let's see, South Australia. Let's shout out Mount Gambia. Mount Gambia is a beautiful place that I've been. I've never been to Caloundra in Queensland, but Mount Gambia I've been to a number of times and they've got this thing there called the blue lake it's like this lake you look at it and it's like well isn't water blue but this <laughs> water is like really really Whoa. blue because this lake is inside like an old volcano that is oh, super cool. duper deep right. and so it makes it like a deep 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 blue color it's really <laughs> really cool <laughs> but hey shout out Mangambia, shout out Kalandra. you're listening to the breakfast show listen laura have you got some positively different news for us this morning to consider yes i do so um there has been a discovery of um, evidence of salty liquid water droplets, is what it says. <laughs> <laughs> of water. There's been evidence of water found on Mars, which oh. is, yeah, right? Okay, There's- well, it, that's a pretty huge scientific breakthrough. I think it's the one thing that people have been consistently looking for on Mars. Yeah, so um, there's this Chinese Martian rover mm-hmm. that's ah, like, yeah, yeah. like floating around Mars, just mm-hmm. looking for things. I really don't know. <laughs> But it, um, they found evidence of like salty water, and mm. apparently there's these dunes where there's salt because there's ice might have melted and whatever. And so, like, that's pretty cool. That's a, um, it's just interesting because um, it makes me think of the fact that like God put so much time and effort into like when He did creation. It wasn't just mm. Earth. Like, there's so much for us. But He's like, just in case you guys want to explore, like, here's mm. a few other planets. Yeah. Of course, there's big questions that then come along with that, too. Because from what we've observed in our observable universe so far, which is quite a big space, we haven't seemed to, f- we haven't found other life. We found planets with water, <laughs> water on them, yeah. including Mars. Uh, but it, it makes me think, okay, well, there's, there's conditions for habitation out there, but we don't see inhabitants. And so then it's like, well, where where are they? But it's quite clear from the Bible, particularly reading the book of Job and even the book of Genesis, that there are definitely other creation out there. There's, well, firstly, the the most obvious one is that God also created angels. But then you read the book of Job, you see that there's these other sons of God, these other representatives of, of different beings across the universe, yet we haven't observed them. And I think there'd be good reason for for that ultimately because the earth has fallen into sin Mm -hmm. and we're kind of like in a spiritual uh, cosmological quarantine you could say yeah yeah, it's it's a super it's super interesting that yeah well they found water on mars and and it makes me think it's like okay well if there's if there's water on mars you said there was like droplets right so there yeah, was like the was evidence like of water the evidence of water like yeah. the, like you know teardrop how it's salty and when it dries there's like yeah. a residue of like yeah, sure i think that's what they found yeah absolutely. so that's that's really cool and it's just awesome that we have a god that you know like mm. made so much for us to discover and explore. absolutely 
So another thing, this was this one made me happy. Mm-hmm. There's there's this um, World War II veteran named John Hamilton who celebrated his 105th birthday this week, mm-hmm. and that's just like he talk he talks a little bit. So he shares um, what it what what it is that, that keeps him young and keeps him going. Yeah, um, and he says that it's exercise actually mm. that he like exercises for over an hour in a day mm-hmm. and he he walks a mile and. Um, I think he would, that he would absolutely have to be like one of the last living World War II veterans. Probably. At 105, probably. that is phenomenal. I think that's so cool though because like it just shows um like I don't know if you ever have you heard of the Blue Zones? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. right? We've 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 talked about Blue Zones here on Faith of Men before. We've we've interviewed a number of people who have talked oh, about cool. Blue Zones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Blue Zones are areas in the world where people live the longest. Yes. Or ab- at least above the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and one of those things in the blue zones, one of them um, is in Loma Linda, California. And so they were just talking about the group of people there that, like, have exercise and, mm. like, a healthy diet as just a huge part mm. of their culture. Um, and I think that's just so important because it's so easy to get, like, busy with life and not, not make time mm. for exercise. But, guys, take it from an 105-year-old man. Like, take a walk every day. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep keep in shape. It's interesting you mentioned Loma Linda because when it comes to blue zones, you have it in areas like Sardinia in Italy, in like Okinawa, Japan, in yeah. Tibet, you know. And the common theme with each one of those areas is that they all eat the same diet. Yeah. They, they're all genetically the same. They all come from the same culture. It's like ethnic people groups versus you go to Loma Linda, California, which is in the heart of the United States, yeah. which doesn't necessarily have the reputation no, I... <laughs> of, of, of health and and long time, you know, a long time living. Uh, yet you have this group of people who are again within this blue zone of people who live yeah. the longest, and that's ultimately because these people are Seventh Day Adventists, yes. and they they fellow, you know, our our station here at Faith FM is is owned by the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and we have been given clear health. Advice yeah. from the Bible, like we we have an acronym called New, New Start. Start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nutrition, exercise, water, water sunlight. sunlight. I think it's S- temperance. 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 Yeah. Uh, temperance. Air. air. What's R? Um, rest. Rest, and, and then, then T is trust in God. God. Absolutely. Yeah. So we we have this acronym, and and to us that represents all the advice that's given in the Bible. Yeah. In regards to health, and we see that it, this isn't something that is is consistent in Loma Linda, but with right. Seventh Adventists all around the world. And a story that I love to talk about always when it comes to this topic of blue zones, health, the Bible, and long age is the story of Francesca Cesano. Uh huh. Who, who's, who's that? So Francesca Cesano is a Filipino lady who uh-huh. died at, at la, I believe it was either last year or twenty twenty one at the age of one hundred and twenty four. No way. So That's, I've never heard of anyone older than like 105. Or she six, was maybe. the oldest living person when she oh. died. In fact, she was alive when during the Spanish occupation of the Philippines no and she way. saw the transfer over to the United States, which literally happened in like the 1800s. Yeah, 1900s. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's wow. it's she she was too old to participate in World War Two. Wow. <laughs> like, like this, it's, it's phenomenal, you know, like by World War II, like the 1940s, yeah. she's, she's like, she, she would be so too old to be drafted. did she give any secrets for... So, yeah, and the amazing thing that she says is like, oh, the two things that got me through uh, that have brought me to this age is firstly, 
by trusting God and secondly eating vegetables. Eating vegetables. Uh, because she's she's actually she's a Seventh Day Adventist. Yeah. Uh, she's a she's a Seventh Day Adventist Christian. And what it actually did was give credence to what we see in the Bible with like Moses uh-huh. living to the age of 120 and a lot of historical biblical scholars. They're like, how could someone do that in those conditions? Yet Francesca Cesano in third world conditions in yeah. the Philippines literally just ate vegetables and ate from the lamb. Eat your veggies and get your exercise. That's right. Follow the biblical advice and that's how long she lives. So amazing story there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And Laura, you're going to give us another clue for the quiz. Yes. Okay. So the second clue is Paul says in the last days, people will be lovers of this. Oh, okay. So, yeah. okay, one more, one more time. Yeah, Paul says in the last days, people will be lovers of this. All right. Hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And our amazing prize that we have for this week is none other than the Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight. Now, can you can you recount what it was that you ate at the Revive Cafe in okay. New Zealand? Okay, so yeah, so I had, I had, there was, um, oh goodness, okay, so there was rice and like a green curry okay, stuff. Yeah. It was good. And mm-hmm. then um, there was, I think I got a side of like pot- roasted potatoes or something. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's really good. I got to eat at kind of a spiritual successor or sister to the Revive <laughs> Cafe here in Australia. It's Manahaven Cafe yeah. in Byron Bay. Where is that? Okay. It's in Byron oh, Bay. Cool. So that's like seven hours north. Oh. I was up there and it's, again, like very, they, they like, sell the Revive Cafe cookbooks. They, they uh-huh. use it as a textbook. Is that on the way to where we're going? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ooh, so okay, lunch. <laughs> we, we might, we might have the ability to stop in there, it, but it's, oh, it's so good. Oh man. Shout out Jeremy Dixon for writing epic cookbooks okay. that you want, because then you'll have the ability. Like Laura here is talking about how she's eaten this restaurant food that yeah. is incredible. He's just giving the recipe away. Yeah. And He's, honestly, there's something, so I love like, I'm just like a health food freak. I love mm. it so much. Um, yeah, guys, like healthy eating is so fun. It's so creative just to like to mm. do things with vegetables that you mm. normally wouldn't. I don't know what to say. Like it's just. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, 0491-064-669. And that quiz clue, I believe it was at the end. Paul says at the end of time, people will be lovers of this thing. Yes. Paul says that in the last days, people will be lovers of this. So. Amazing. 0491-064-669. All right, Laura, we are going to talk about Australian politics. Oh, my. Which is something. <laughs> how would you rate your knowledge of Australian politics on a scale of 1 to 13? Being that 13. <laughs> <laughs> Being that my um, knowledge of American politics would probably be at a 2. I'm uh-huh. just going to say my Australian politics knowledge might be at like a negative 4. <laughs> negative. Okay, okay, okay. So, all right. Well, th- this is, uh, it's your time. You know, you you have ambitions to live in Australia, right? Potentially, yeah. So this might be good for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you'll be able to learn and be able to know. And I don't blame you. There are so many Americans who move over here, especially church people, American church people. Shout out Blake. Um, who, again, an American who moved over here to study and has not left. Um, Some would say, unfortunately. I wouldn't (laughs) say that, of course, because I'm his friend. But, uh, (laughs) hey, we've also got some love for you on the text line, Laura, as well. Brayden writes, welcome, Laura. Good to have you co-hosting The Breakfast Show. So, all the way, all the way, Brayden writing in from Queensland. So, great hearing from you. All right. So, we have states in australia one of those states is called the state of victoria now do you know where that is 
That is south. South, yeah. So <laughs> south of where we are on the east coast. And the premier of Victoria, his the name prem- is... What's a premier? Okay, a premier is essentially like a state governor. Like, gotcha. like Ron DeSantis is the state governor of Florida. So he's the guy who makes Why the decisions. Why do you know that? I didn't know that. Oh, he's, he's a pretty famous guy. In fact, the article that I, I was reading this morning about Dan Andrews mentioned Ron DeSantis. He's he's making a lot, he's making he's making waves in the uh, the American political space. Wow. But so is uh, Victorian Premier Dan Andrews. So recently, the Monash City Council. Now, Monash is a suburb in Melbourne, basically. Okay. Uh, there's Monash University there. Okay, it's a great, okay. great campus that I've been able to hang out on uh, when I was down in Melbourne in January. Now, the Monash City Council got together to announce that they would be, well, initially they announced that they would be uh, running the drag story time, which has kind of captivated conversation around the world. And uh-huh. what essentially this is, is getting uh, drag queen people, uh, people in drag, so so which is yeah. men dressed as women, to come in and to, to come into schools mm-hmm. and into libraries huh. to read books to children. Now, this is something that's been happening in the States. Like in all the public schools in that area then? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is something that's been happening in the United States for a number of years. And we, we've, you know, talked about and covered, and many people have talked about and covered because it's been such a topic yeah. of conversation. The two sides that you essentially have is one side, and, and what we see here, what Dan Andrews is essentially saying is, uh, you know, our drag story time event was designed to introduce children to diverse mm-hmm. role models and, and encourage acceptance, love, and respect for our LGBTQA plus community. And so, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. It's, it's getting children familiar with this community to mm-hmm. accept this community. That That's the kind of, for the people who want to run this, it's a story that put, that is That's something they're, they're actually doing or they're just wanting to like start. So now they're wanting to start. So they had this okay. council meeting that I'm going yeah. to talk about in a okay. second, but this is something that they're wanting to do. Okay. Now the other side of the conversation says, uh, drag, mm-hmm. drag shows and drag workers are essentially sex workers. And then, which, you wouldn't. I, I. I. don't think a sex worker yeah. is a good role model to my children. Right. Uh, there's also potentially, and mm-hmm. I don't want to put on a stigma that that isn't there, but there have been certain issues in the past. Like again, just with inappropriateness and yeah. and exposing children to you know uh, yeah. so, well, something. Children so, are really highly influenced. That's right. Like anything you put in front of kids, they will like grab onto and just absorb. Absolutely, and exposing them to something so hypersexualized. Yeah. Uh, is is not the way to go. And so that has caused... So they had this ca- yeah. city council meeting, and at this city council meeting, a number of protesters showed up holding up signs, like mm-hmm. saying, don't drag kids into this, which I thought was an interesting play on words. Oh. We, 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 saw, we saw an interesting play on words earlier this week when we talked about the story of Riley Gaines, who was like a... She's a mm-hmm. professional swimmer in the United States who... Was kind what of American people. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> she was wrapped up in a controversy to do with professional swimming and and uh-huh. you know transgender athletes. But yeah, she has this website. It's called Swimming Against the Current. And I was like, oh, oh that's that's a that's that's fantastic. This is a play on words to don't <laughs> drag kids into this. So yeah. essentially, the the argument from the mm-hmm. the conservative side of this conversation is, hey, again, kids being highly influenced. Um, and being of a young age, I don't yeah. think we should expose them to spending time with sex workers. Yeah. Like no, 
Agreed. Which, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Well, we we sit here again. We're we're Christians, mm-hmm. so we hold to a certain moral code and value that being yeah. the Bible, and and but also a level of appropriateness to even if you aren't Christian, if you look at the secular laws that exist in Australia, yeah. like the age of consent mm-hmm. and whatnot, it's like, oh, you know, should we be exposing children to? Mm-hmm to those kinds of environments when they are literal, yeah. literal We should children. protect kids at all costs. Like, they don't need to meet this stuff until they're older. Exactly. Well... Like, yeah, like, they, they're too young sometimes to understand things, and it's just more confusing than anything, I think, to kids who are just still, still growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, in the state of Victoria and federally in Australia, if you're an adult and you give a child pornography or expose them to pornography, that's a form of child abuse which you can be Absolutely. prosecuted for. Yeah. Um, like if you, if you are, yeah, if you're a over eight, like a non-minor exposing minors to pornography, right. you can go to jail for that. Like 100%. So then it's like, okay, getting children to hang out with drag queens mm-hmm. who are more often than not sex workers and promoting that lifestyle. Is that the way to go? And the answer that I would say is no. And many people said no. So a group of people, they came to the city council protesting. Now the claim from Dan Andrews is that this was not free speech, but hate speech. And that there are a number of people who are a part of the crowd calling, you know, them certain slurs and calling um, them groomers and, and pedophiles mm-hmm. and these kinds of things, which they're for me. Well, so the slurs I'm like, not about, but yeah. simultaneously voicing the opinion that, that exposing children to sex yeah. work at a young age counts as a form of grooming. Absolutely. I don't think disagreeing with something respectfully is hate speech. I, yeah. I, I never support like, um, like when people will say mean things as an yeah. opposition, like there's never a way to like yeah. to, to combat something is just to like say mean things about it. But I just think there's something to be said for the freedom just to be able to express an opinion. Like sure. there should always be an opposition. Like if everybody yeah. was just hundred percent unanimous on anything, that would mm-hmm. be just, I'd be like, um, is that right? Like, everybody has opinions. Of course they should. Now, interestingly, it would be Dan Andrews who says, no, this was hate speech. It was hate speech, bigotry, racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia. And the list goes on. It was an ugly scene. So this is what Dan Andrews was saying. Um, I don't know. But but yes, they claimed racism as well. Uh, And they even, even went on to say... Uh, if you want to go and and live in Florida under Ron DeSantis, who is, ma- again, who I mentioned before okay. because they're making waves in the conservative uh-huh. space because Florida, which was for a long time a democratic state, a blue state, has now recently become a red state oh, okay. led by Ron DeSantis and this uh-huh. conservative movement there. He's like, if you want to go live in Florida, live in Florida. Like, leave <laughs> Australia. That's what Dan Andrews wow. is saying. This is hate speech. This is bigotry. This is ridiculous. Guys, it's no better in America. And, this is good yeah, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that it's it's an interesting conversation about morals and it's, hey, what about our kids? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Now, Laura, please. Hey. Simon, the sorcerer, offered this to Peter and John so that he would have the ability to give the spirit to those on whom he laid his hands. Mm, okay. Hey, 0491 You want to read that one again? One more time, yeah. Simon the sorcerer offered this to Peter and John so that he would have the ability to give the spirit to those on whom he laid his hands. We've already got some correct answers. Shout out Bruce and Liz and the others who've been writing in with all kinds of good 
things, you know, really got their brain switched on this morning. We are going to get into our interview time for today. And on the phone, we have none other than Tony Benjamin from The Voice of the Martyrs. Tony, are you there with us? Tony, hello? Yes, I'm here. I can hear you. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Tony, thank you so much for joining us on Faith FM this morning. Now, I believe we've probably had you on the show. We've had Voice of the Martyrs on the show many, many a time. But we've had you on the show before, right, Tony? Yes, you have. Absolutely. It's not usually me doing the interviews, but it's uh, it's great to have you again talking all things Christianity, international, and persecution. So, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, I'd like to just share with you on a recent trip which I had, um, giving you a bit of an update on what's happening in China, what's happening with Christians in China, and so on. Yeah. Mm, Amazing. So... I, I, I would love to talk about Christianity in China. One of, I have a, a number of close friends who are Chinese people living here in Australia who are, have either become Christian or were Christians in China, and I hear all kinds of things about the situation back there, but would love to hear from, from the experts on Christian persecution, Voice of the Martyrs, and, and Tony. Yeah, what's happening in that space? Well, I think Christianity in China is just, growing dramatically and um, by all accounts and what the experts are telling us what other Christians who work in China also are telling us is that by 2030 China would have close to 240 million Christians making it the biggest Christian country in the world and I think that sort of flies into the face of the Communist Party and what Mm. they're trying to do in suppressing and eradicating anything that's not communist you Mm. know and um, just with a group that we work with alone, we've had 18,000 salvations last year. Wow. And those are big numbers, man. Absolutely big Absolutely. numbers. And what, and what people are saying to us is they realized during the period of COVID that communism had nothing to offer them, neither mm. could the Communist Party. And they were really desperate and needed to draw from somewhere or something. And that is where they found Christ, most of them. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's, that just caused quite a, quite a transition in one of the towns. And I can't mention it, obviously, for security reasons, but Absolutely. one of the towns in the northeast or cities in the northeast of China who have a population of just over a million, more than 500,000 came to Christ in the last three years. Mm. So there's so much going on there, Um, although as faith is growing, the intensity of the persecution is increasing much the same, you know, Mm. and we need to continue to pray for these guys. But in liaising with my colleague from China and sharing with what's happening in the West and what's happening in our societies, he was absolutely mortified in saying, brother, we will pray for you. Wow. That was his words to me. Mm. And I'm thinking, thank you, um, but now even I'm more alarmed because I think sometimes we take for granted how our value system is being eradicated here, mm. you know, by all of the current events that we find happening these days. And for somebody that's from a persecuted environment, severely persecuted environment, and one of their leaders, um that's that's quite alarming for me. So, you know, that's an interesting point for us to, to ponder mm. as we sometimes just 
like a frog in the water where, where things change and we think, oh, that's okay, it's not that bad. Mm. When in actual fact, if you reflect and we see how far we've come or how far or how low we've gone in terms of our value system these days, that is quite alarming. And we take our example from persecuted believers, really, mm. um, with their, their, their faith, their intensity in reading God's Word, the commitment to God's Word, the commitment to share Christ with anybody whom they meet, uh, doing the Great Commission at a very high level, wow. although it's challenging. Um, yeah, that's a real um, example to us in the West with our freedoms, which have now become more like a vice pass. Wow. That uh, Christ is secondary to us, you know, these days by and mm-hmm. large, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I've I've had the privilege to interact with some underground church people over over the internet, and uh, and to be mm-hmm. uh, to be invited to to preach there. And it, it's so interesting because I have Chinese friends who come to Australia, and often they come to Australia because they're. They, they want to come and get an education over here, but also they're, they're fed up with the, the political situation of, of China. And mm. those who become Christian in Australia, it's really interesting because their perspective, because they don't know other Chinese Christians, they're like, oh, Christianity in China is like dying. It's not very big. It's like, you know, it's all publicly monitored. But then interacting with those people who became or are Christian in China, it's like from their perspective, they're like the gospel is moving. You know, we can see yep. people's lives being changed rapidly, yep. and it, it, it's such an interesting perspective that you have that above and below. You know, you've got the on the surface, it, it, it because yep. of the persecution doesn't seem like anything's going on, but Christ is able to do such a marvelous work over there, and their sincerity and their faith as well. Um, it, it, it was interesting for me, like, being able to teach, and I'm I'm teaching them something that they don't necessarily know because they've never been taught before, mm. but every single passage that I go to, they're like, oh, we know that one, and we've studied it, but we've never seen it that way, that, that kind of thing, because they're yeah. just so hungry for the Word of God that it's become so familiar to them. So it, it, I, then it's like, wow, praise God that he's done such a work. You know, something we've we've been inundated with requests for um, discipleship material, mm. such as the, the need and the hunger to disciple somebody else and bring them to Christ. Mm. Now, remember, church over there it doesn't look like what we have here, where we all gather together in mass and we celebrate the day and celebrate mm. Christ. Mm. There it's in homes and it's in many homes. And the group we work with, number in excess of one and a half million people that we work wow. with just directly. So, you know, can you imagine how many homes we're talking about that are represented here where mm. families are getting together, but yet with a few number of leaders, the church function functions, the ministry grows. And as I shared in church on Sunday where I spoke, mm. they don't refer to us as, um, oh, are you... Baptist or Seventh-day Adventist or what, mm. they refer to us as believers and non-believers, that's it. Mm. And I think that's amazing because really we should be looking at believers and non-believers only because everybody needs to hear the gospel. That's what God's Word says. Mm. So uh, that's the focus. It's so focused. It's so on point, you know. Uh, do you believe? If you don't believe, you've got a year. If you do believe, Praise God, you do believe you're saved. You know, that's the intensity with which they deal with these issues. And uh, we have so much to learn, really. We have so much to learn from them.
Mm, absolutely. I think, as you said, you know, obviously different biblical truths are, are important because, you know, God is God is true, God is real, and there's, I would say that there's parts of other churches that I don't agree with and, and certain doctrines that I don't believe, believe in. But we can really see the unity that takes place under, yep. again, that that persecution it, it, it's i see it as like a scale right when there's such freedoms maybe we just stray too far down the road of of maybe over academifying everything that the bible says and, and drawing those lines too hard whereas when there is that persecution when there is that pressure we actually see believers uniting uh in their stand for christ because they're like hey if we're if we're divided then then how is it that we can stand Something else that there is also, and so very true what you're saying, there's a simplicity to their faith, mm. you know. Um, there's no there's no bells and whistles and all this sort of thing. Sure. So what does God's Word say? It says this. Well, that's how I'm applying it, and that's what I'm doing. That's mm. it. No more, no less. And, I mean, sometimes we can learn from that, you know. We try and, like you say, complicate things and over, you know, sort of, indulge in what we believe it is where if we take it at its face value just simplistically by and large we we've got so much to learn and and that's how they deal with it you know and um hey it, it's working and you know the minister is growing and more people are coming to christ there's there's a lot to be said for that simplicity mm. so I, I guess my question would be as Christianity grows, because, you know, you can only keep a secret for so long as it grows over there, as it's doing rapidly, whilst simultaneously the government is actively trying to thwart those underground churches. You know, when when do we get to a point in which it's, it's too big of a secret to handle? And, and how, how, do you, do, how do you handle that situation? Let me... Let me change what you're saying a little bit. Give me some poetic license here. Sure. Believers in China don't pray for the overthrow of the CCP. Sure. Mm -hmm. They're actually praying for them to come to Christ. Uh, Amen. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing every single day. So I don't even think they thought of that tipping point. Mm-hmm. of when it's actually going to be, hang on a minute, there are too many of you here, what are we going to do? You know, How are we going to deal with you? I don't know if they thought of that. I I, I think the, you know, the belief is that Xi Jinping and the CCP comes to Christ. That's what they're holding on to. Wow. And even in a place like North Korea, North Korean defectors tell us they don't pray for... Um, Kim Jong-un to be overthrown by the West or anything. They say that's a furphy. Mm. They believe they need to come to Christ. That's yeah. that's what true freedom for them will mean. Yeah. So it's a very different concept to what we think. You know, we believe, oh, you know, they're going to get kicked out or thrown out or whatever. No, they want them to repent. That's what they're aiming for. So I don't know what the answer is there, but what I can say to you is, that the CCP is not concerned about the West and what they do and how they pander and whatever mm. stance we take. They are concerned about an internal revolt. And yes. that is why, if you looked in the past, in the recent past, they do everything they can to quell those uprisings from within getting out into the Western world because that's the embarrassment for them and that shows them that they can't 
shows them that they can't control their people, etc., etc., etc. So that is the that will bring the demise of them when they they can't control the people and they just you know lose that completely. Um, that's where that tipping point will come, I believe. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, if if they see it as something uncontrollable, then yeah, and and that's fantastic. I think it's something that I've really observed too within within Chinese people that I've interacted with, particularly those who come to Christ in Australia, is that softening of the heart. And seeing even even those people, even the the members of the CCP that they feel as though are responsible for great persecution of themselves or their family or whatever it may be, like wow, like we want to see them come to Christ. And I think that's the evidence of the gospel, like really changing their life, realizing that even they are dead in trespasses and sins. They were dead in trespasses and sins, just as much as those persecuting and opposing them are potentially now. So, oh, wow, I, I love that so much. Hey, are there any other thoughts? We have about a minute left. Anything else that you want to share? In I just wanted to say something yeah. that's very relevant, I believe, as it says in the Bible. Um, the Lord will raise kings and kingdoms and he will destroy kingdoms. So I think that's something to hold on to in that uh, nothing lasts forever. Certainly the CCP won't. Mm. And, uh, Chinese believers, um, believe that to be the case and they, they are, they are working and, you know, they just live their lives and, and, and do their faith unashamedly in preparation that they may die. But they mm. say to us that if others hadn't been martyred before them, the church in China would not be where it is today. Wow. Yeah. That gives me just incredible flashbacks to, you know, some of the writers within the Great Reformation. I, I, I was either mm. Martin Luther or Wycliffe who wrote uh, that the blood of the martyrs was the, the fertilizer for the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, Tony Benjamin, thank you so much for joining us right now. This is Lauren Daigle with Look Up. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.